so many construction companies that actually had a boom time during the lockdown. I think everyone just said, well, there's nothing else we can do. Let's build something. So, yeah. uh, so they, they built on their houses, they built on their companies, they built on their, they built flats, they built everything. So the construction companies, and it comes through very strongly in the survey, had a very good year during the lockdown. Do you aspire for a booming middle-class economy? Listen along to understand what turns the wheels of Uganda's economy with our lineup of credible influencers in their fields. In there, welcome back to Onyganda's podcast segment for the Fox. And in case you're new here, get a pen and paper, guys. Classes in session because we're about to begin. I'm your host, Agi Patricia Tiromwe, a communication strategist. And today's focus will be on the 2021's Uganda's Top 100 Mid-Size Companies Survey. That launched back in October on the 6th last year. So wait to go to the next episode, guys. If you think this is so old, you know the content of this survey is still evergreen and it's very relevant today. Before we go any further, I'd like to shout out to our sound engineer, Mukose Juma from Siton Studio. Thank you so much. So happy to have you on the podcast, Tony. Tony is the National Media's Managing Director and uh, his other name is Glenn Cross, and he's going to be taking us through the survey and everything about it. Welcome to the podcast, Annie. Thank you, Annie. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'll just dive right into it. Why don't you give us the general overview of the survey? All right, okay. Let's, just to put things in context, let's start at the beginning or maybe go backwards. Yeah. Uh, the Top 100 survey is not unique to last year. It's something we've been doing for 14 years. We started it in partnership with KPMG, and uh, 14 years ago, the need then was very similar to the need now, which was to understand the SMEs, and not the small SMEs, the little guys at the bottom, uh, the SMEs in the market, which are the future big businesses of Uganda. So it was a need to understand where they are in their business, their record keeping, what are they using in terms of services, how, how banked are they, are they using bank financial services, are they using insurance services? Are they advertising? Because we're a media company. Do they intend to advertise? So it was just to understand and establish. So, and it had been going in the same format for 14 years until 2019. 2020, you know, the country just crashed in terms of the lockdown and such. So for the first time in 14 years, nothing happened in 2020. Then in 2021, because of the a lockdown, then we weren't, then we're in a lockdown, then we weren't, understand it was, we, we didn't want to not do anything. So we changed the format. The traditional yeah. format was a kind of competition where we, we looked at SMEs with a minimum turnover of, of 25, I think it's 25, uh, 360 million up to a maximum of 360, 25 billion. So 360 million, 25 billion, not listed on the stock exchange and not a bank. That was absolutely crucial, not a bank and insurance. Although this, you can be an insurance broker and be a part of it, just not an insurance company. So that's what makes the difference. So part of that whole process of the competition was to look at the record keeping, looking at the taxes, looking at the, the profitability of the company, cash flow management, staff management, all of these things. And there were various categories, which are then weighted. And then companies were ranked from number 100 down to number one. And that uh, the top 100 company of the year was number one. I think. Last year, we couldn't do any of that. So what we did, 
is we opened the survey to everyone because the entire country was going through uh, a fairly dramatic change. Change, and I'll go through a little bit of the changes later in terms of, but I'm sure you've experienced some yourself. But uh, we needed to just understand how companies had adapted to this new normal, this new, this new way of doing things and such. So we opened it up as a self-completion questionnaire to all any SME to fill in and give us the information. And then we ma we're making that information available back to anybody who wants it. I shared a, a copy of the, of the results with you this morning. Anybody who wants to see the results, all of the participants, everyone, which then allows all of those companies to, to do uh, peer comparisons. How are they doing compared to their peers? What are their peers doing that they're not doing? How can they learn from their peers in terms of better ways of doing things? Um, and such. such. So it's, it just creates a bit of a, a community amongst the SMEs and uh, some camaraderie, but also it provides a very good learning platform. Then what we did this year as well was we ran a couple of seminars on education. We bring in an expert, like we brought in Keith yeah. uh, from Capital Markets Authority. We've brought in um, some experts from URA and then KPMG in terms of their development and their consultant thing. And we, we educate, so we give free education back to those SMEs that want to learn from the process. So that's just a little bit of the background. We need to work with partners. So we, right in the beginning, we used to work with Standing Bank. We now, our, our core partner now is DFCU. Then we also work with the government of Uganda uh, through the Uganda Investment Authority. They're a key partner in the process. And then uh, I think they call themselves MOSTI, the Minister of Science and Technology and Information. I think that's what it is, or Innovation. MOSTI, M-O-S-T-I, MOSTI. So we work yeah. with them. Then um, we've also worked in the past with the insurance company, AECI, or ICEA, sorry, I'm mixing that, ICEA, Insurance Company of East Africa. So we work with partners uh, and share that information as a, for the greater goal of developing the country and the SMEs in this country. Yeah, I, I love the chronological explanation. As you sought to understand more companies and how they adapted to the changes, you um, and your partners considered a few parameters. Would you be able to elaborate more on the strategies employed, um, new innovations, and how to adapt? As companies, we were adapting ourselves. But what we were mm. trying to do with the survey was to establish how the SMEs were adapting. The SMEs were, were much harder hit than the bigger established companies. The companies like the Nation Media, Uganda, KPMG, ICA, DFCU, have much bigger cash values, uh, we have cash reserves. We could, although we, we had to reduce some of our overheads and reduce staff salaries and things like that, essentially we could keep moving as a company and could do for the next 24 months if we needed to, as I'm sure DFCU, uh, ICEA, and KPMG could have done. But many of the SMEs don't have those facilities. They haven't been in business long enough. So they may be keeping good records. They may be paying their taxes. They may be employing other services and such so but they don't have the cash reserves. So when the lockdowns came and their, their monthly revenues were hit hard, many of them closed and many of them shut down, but many of them also, just, just think in terms of the, the, some of the hotels and bars that had a whole portion of their business squashed and closed down. 
what we found in the survey, strangely enough, is that during the lockdown, the construction industry boomed. And if you look at the survey and go through the results, there's so many construction companies that actually had a boom time during the lockdown. I think everyone just said, well, there's nothing else we can do. Let's build something. So, yeah. uh, so they, they built on their houses, they built on their companies, they built on their, they built flats, they built everything. So the construction companies, and it comes through very strongly in the survey, had a very good year during the lockdown because their industry picked up. So now the approach would like to understand more about the approach of the survey. So did you, who did you reach out to? Um, whereabouts did you reach out? I know I read it in the report or the survey itself, but just, just bring our listeners to speed. Uh, as I said, in the past, it was a qualification process where, mm -hmm. but anyone who qualified could enter. This time we did it uh, digitally. So there was no face-to-face -face interviews. There was no auditing in terms of the financials of companies. It was purely a questionnaire that was done completely digitally. And it was open to any, any SME that was prepared to, to complete the questionnaire and give us the information. So we, we advertised it extensively in all of our platforms. So on Monitor, on KFM, on Demby, on NTV, on Spark TV, online, on uh, monitor.co.ug. We, we spread it as widely as possible and encouraged people to complete the questionnaire. So that was the, the method of gathering the information. Um, it wasn't as uh, a strict criteria as was in the past. I think we got a very good result and we got a good result. If you go through the survey, we got a good result from a broad category of businesses. But as I said, there was a strong representation from the construction industry. And uh, you will see uh, in the results how they, uh, their, their influence of the results is, is creating the buoyancy and the confidence of uh, the economy. I was just wondering if the impact from the, from the survey is what you expected at the start. It's difficult to ascertain the impact of the survey because it's a, it's a, it's a knowledge and understanding gathering exercise. So it doesn't make a big impact. It's just, you'll see the impact over a period of time in terms yeah. of how, for example, how we work with SMEs, how KPMG, how DFCU, how the other banks, how the SMEs work with each other and how URA. If you, if you look at the changes Uganda Investment Authority has made over the last four years, they, those changes have been made since they've been a partner in top 100 companies. So they've taken the research and the study and the involvement with the SMEs and then adjusted their services accordingly. Whereas four years ago, you had to go to six or seven different places to start a business in this country. Now you go to one place and you can do everything. You understand? So yeah. the impact is felt slowly over time. It's not like a wham. Uh, we've done the survey. Look at the impact. It's not enough that. At all. Um, I just want to uh, put this out because when sometimes when you're in office and you have people from URA or URSB coming into offices and giving out handouts or flyers for surveys for people to fill in, most people are not. They're not convinced or they are not happy to take any voluntary participation in filling out forms, right? Oh. And I'm always thinking, because I love data, so just to give you background also for this segment, right? It's called Own Reports, and we have people who write insightful reports, books, just for, um, for this information to be brought out in the public. 
in voice, right? But um, I noticed that when I do research also at the communication agency, um, we get a lot of information from reports, from books, and all this data and stuff is kept away, uh, hidden in books that we thought, okay, we should bring people like you knowledgeable about these same documents to talk about them. But yeah, people just don't want to read. And then I noticed, okay, it's results from surveys that we feel voluntary that then fill up or make these documents like this. So I feel like it's not easy convincing people to voluntarily just fill in forms or surveys or just give answers um, voluntary. So um, in assessing the precision of survey estimates, it must be interesting who receives it. So who else accessed these results apart from uh, your partners who are KPMG, DFCU Bank? You said it's readily available, right? Mm. Okay, yeah. so anybody who wants a copy of the surveys is welcome to to the results of the survey. As I said, it's an open it's an open thing. It's to it's yeah. to better the industry. When you you, you mentioned that uh, people are hesitant to fill in, bearing in mind is that uh, Top One Hundred is is a brand in its own right that's been around for fourteen years. It's built up uh, an element of trust, of credibility, of meaningful information, and meaningful sharing of information. So, as I said, it's not just a survey. There's a whole education process that happens every year. And traditionally, they've been in person. So, if we would do our top 100 uh, surveys as in the past, there would be at least five education sessions, which are done over breakfast for free, where anyone can come, have a free breakfast, and listen to an expert in an area, be it accounting, be it advertising, be it uh, distribution, uh, uh, tax compliance, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's a whole thing that all happens around it. So there's an element of confidence amongst the people who are completing the questionnaire. Then the other thing is, which I thought was particularly important in this instance, is the ease of completion. So in order to complete the questionnaire, you just clicked on a link. It's like, I just clicked on a link to join your Twitter today. Uh, our users, to our, our SME, just had to click on a link and go through a process of that would take them 10 or 15 minutes maximum, and then it's done. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's ease and convenience. Thank you so much, Tony. Guys, you heard what Tony just said. And also, just thank you for simplifying this uh, survey, because if you see its title, the top 100 SME survey, you think, ooh. Uh, that's only for, for the big boys. <laughs> so next time anyone sees this link or survey, anyone sees the survey link, post around WhatsApp platforms or any social media platforms, please be sure to see it. Now, um, Tony, I'm going to ask you the very last question that we ask all our guests on the podcast. It's uh, geared towards achieving and thriving in a middle-class economy. So what do you think or how do you think Uganda can easily achieve that middle, middle class status by 2040? Okay, by 2040, that's that's actually a long time. That's 18, 18 years, eh? Yeah. Uh, so we have time. Let's be honest. We have time. I'm not an economist. I, ne I never profess to be an economist. I'm not an expert. However, okay. I would think... Um, First of all, the development of infrastructure. If you look at the infrastructure development that's happened in the last five years, um, uh, we still have a long way to go. 
but there's significant development in the country when you build a road. So you build a road where there was no road before, and all of a sudden there's economies spring up all around those roads. And I've seen it happen in this country. Mm. Um, in, in three or four years' time, we're going to have a brand new ginger highway. Now, bearing in mind is that the, the ginger, Busia, Malaba, Kampala, is the gateway to South Sudan, Eastern Congo, Rwanda, and to a certain extent, Burundi. So that's going to create huge development in terms of, of operations and, and such. such. So, I, you know, I think we just need to, we need to monitor our, our loans. We need to be circumspect on our spending. Uh, and we need to have, um, you know, we, we need to have fiscal discipline, but it needs to apply to everyone. You can't have fiscal discipline applied to five ministries and then state house and these three ministries could do whatever they want. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because it undermines yeah. the process. It's like, if you if you look at it as an example, on our roads, you know, there's there's rules for the average person who drives on the road. And then there's another set of rules for all of the UG cars and, and such like who have their own set of rules and don't need to follow Whereas if everyone followed the rules, with the exception of the of the exempted, like the president and the speaker of parliament, we would have a lot less carnage and problems on our roads. So we need to be disciplined. We need to think as one country, and we need to grow our a our tax base, but b we need to grow our, our SME. So we need to support those businesses. You know, Uganda. Yeah. I'm sure you know Uganda has. Uh, one of the greatest numbers of uh, business startups in the world. There's more businesses started in Uganda every year. The problem yeah. is many of those businesses don't see their first or second year. Mm. Um, so there needs to be structures that support. Um, there needs to be tax incentives so that the, the businesses that are starting out, the tax incentives are not just going to uh, Chinese or foreign investors coming in. You understand what I'm saying? What are the yeah. tax incentives? For local businesses to start up, why should they go into business? Why should they pay tax? You understand what I'm saying? Why yeah. should they be tax compliant if they're just going to get taxed to death and it becomes a, a fearful thing? So there's, I'm not an economist. I really am not. No, no, no. That's fine. Uh, but that's looking. At, I'm talking from a layman and from a uh, thing. How did we? Yeah. How did we fix money? We put systems in place. We stuck to the rules. We uh, focused on our core business and what we did well. You understand? So those are the kind of things we need to do. This initiative on tourism will make a big difference. Tourists come in and have a huge multiplier effect, but we need to make things easy for tourists. Right now, when we're complicating lots of tourists, we're one of the few countries around that still insists on a, on a double PCR test. You have one before you leave. You have one when you arrive. Those kind of things. So we complicate our, our own lives, um, but I'm very positive for the for the economy. But the yeah. key issue is widening our tax base. Eh? We need to yeah. widen our tax base. Mm. Um, many, most of the people in this country pay secondary taxes. Very few pay primary taxes. And then there's whole segments of the industry. For example, um, manufacturing is overtaxed. Uh, hotels are overtaxed, uh, tourism is overtaxed, but then agriculture is hardly taxed. You know what I mean? But the amount of yeah. money that's been made in agriculture is huge, huge, huge. So there needs to be an equitable, fair, broad-based tax system. 
right now the those five or six hundred corporates who are employed are, are literally being stripped of the sleeves of their shirts in order to meet uh, an ever-growing tax requirement. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you're giving voice to this. And uh, in days to come, we're going to have a tax expert talking to us about taxes. Um, I feel mm. I also agree that most Ugandans keep saying, "Oh, but we pay our taxes. We pay." Our... They don't know that they're they, they don't know the difference between what you just mentioned, the primary and the second tax rate. So we should be able to bring mm -hmm. our audience to that as well. So yeah, you've been here long enough to accumulate all this knowledge and insights. So thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Um, thank you for sharing insights on the 2021 Uganda's top 100 mid-sized company survey. Your input today was very invaluable, Tony. Thank you for the time. Give us your feedback. We're on Facebook, on Uganda Podcast, and Instagram. If you're looking for any other communication solutions or you'd like to be hosted on this platform, reach out to me on LinkedIn, Aggie Patricia Turomwe, and Aggie Patricia on Twitter.